I've met so many doulas, midwives, birth keepers over the years, and I keep meeting them. And every one of them is so fascinating and so individual, and they come to the work with such different stories and understandings. Doula Han speaks about radical reproductive health. She says, your womb tells a story. I was lucky enough to interview her and we spoke about everything under the sun, under the reproductive sun, rainbow babies, the womb, change in birth. Listen in. So, um, welcome to Baby Magic. This is fun for me. It's my new baby. <laughs> um, I, uh, I noticed you on the social media and you seem like an interesting birth worker. Um, I wonder if you could just describe a little bit about what you do in the world of birth. Yeah, definitely. Well, my name is Hannah. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I live in Chicago and I am a birth and postpartum doula. Um, I also work full spectrum. I like to use the word uh, birth worker instead of doula. Um, so that's how I kind of describe myself. I take the, the full spectrum approach to birth, um, postpartum, being a parent, all that good stuff. And I'm also really interested in reproductive ritual. So any kind of things that revolve around our womb space. So if there's a loss, if there's a life, um, any kind of disease, I'm really interested in learning about and kind of helping people navigate their options um, through that. And if it's, you know, any kind of ritual that they, or that we can kind of come up with that would help them feel in control and like they have a say in what's happening. So mostly when I think about it, it's for birth or a loss, um, like what we can do to kind of help honor that whole, the whole process of what they've been through um, to help them feel in control and in tune with their feminine energy. So I've been really delving into the, the reproductive ritual lately and I've found a lot of joy in it. I think that we need more warm, welcoming womb spaces in our, our society. <laughs> so um, uh, what would you say your workload is like? Do you consider this to be a full-time job? I know that birth work for me became intensely full-time. How, how is it for you? Yes, it's definitely full-time. So I used to work at a fertility doctor's office as a receptionist. Um, I worked there full-time and I did doula work part-time. And then eventually I had enough clients to do it full-time. So I've been doing it full-time for about a year and a half now. And it's what is, How does that translate like per month, let's say? So per month it's anywhere from one to four or five births and usually a postpartum family or two. With COVID though, we've kind of been, it's, it's definitely different with, with the pandemic. So yeah. right now I'm doing, I have about three births a month and I do one postpartum family. So I, I'm really fascinated by your idea of the narrative of the womb. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, when I landed on your, on your uh, website, the, one of the first sentences, the phrases that jumps out at me is, um, a womb to every womb tells a story or something like that. I, yeah. I don't remember the exact wording. Our bodies do tell stories. Absolutely. Our wombs tell stories. Absolutely. And of course we tell stories about our bodies. Do you think with the, with the reproductive ritual and actually all the work we do, it, 
how do you meet the challenge of imposing your own ritual upon others? That's a really good question. You, you kind of have to leave your experiences at the door and kind of meet people where they're at. So however they're describing something, you know, you obviously believe them. Um, and just kind of from what they're telling you, kind of get a feeling of like, what, how can we navigate what you're telling me and what would be the best, like the most beneficial way to go about a ritual for you? Um, that's a really good question. I'm going to have to think more about that. Because <laughs> I think part of the journey is, you know, asking questions that we yeah, plan to answer sure. on the moment. I like to learn about all kinds of different rituals too. And so I kind of present it as like, here's all of what we can do. Does anything like this that I've just, I've just shared resonate with you? Like, does that sound like it would be lovely and it works for your life? If not, then we can just throw it away. You don't have to do it. <laughs> do you ask people to reach into their own ancestral or family uh, histories sometimes to find rituals that may be starting to be forgotten? Yes, definitely. And sometimes people don't know it, but if they're, if they're sitting in a space and I can guide them through it, or even like they just find it themselves, they can verbalize what they're trying to say or like what they need, which is really cool. That's lovely. Yeah. I'd like to just to touch on, we are living through a pandemic and whatever one's um, personal beliefs about, you know, the whole thing, uh, doesn't really matter because the fact is that our lives have changed very much. So I'd like you to maybe share with us how your life has changed as a birth worker with this uh, new reality. Definitely. I, it, so in Chicago, there, once the pandemic started, they, the, the hospitals kind of shut down for a month and a half with allowing doulas in. Partners were still allowed in. Um, and right now, currently as of yesterday, there was one hospital who has taken that back again. So they're only allowing one support person, which is usually mm -hmm. their partner into the birth space. And it just makes it very clear that birth workers are not welcome in the medical industrial complex, the hospital. So um, with that too, if they are allowing birth workers or doulas in, they want to see certification. And I just think that's another issue too, is birth workers are constantly having to prove themselves to administration or, or certifying organizations, um, the government that we're that we're real, that we matter, and that we are worth being there. Um, so I'm, I'm actually realizing that it's really difficult to navigate not wanting to be in that space. And it's very clear from the beginning that we were not very welcome to begin with. And now with the pandemic, it's just the excuse of, well, let's ditch the doulas. So it feels gross. It's really disgusting. <laughs> and um, as a birth worker, I'm really reflecting on what kind of birth spaces I want to be in and I want to feel invited and important there. Um, and with all of these, you know, to be certified and to be allowed in even, it just is not feeling good for me personally. I think a lot of people could probably relate to that too. Are you doing any virtual, um, both companionship or yes. is that not a thing? Yes. So we did that at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and people either were okay with it or were like, no, I don't, I'm not interested in doing that because it's obviously not the same as in-person support. So 
we were doing some. It's, you can prepare as much as you want, but having a Zoom open in the birth space is like not, it's just not feasible. I think people, like the people that were, we were hired by, even did it because they felt like they wanted to get their money worth out of us or like they felt bad that we couldn't be there. And it's just the, the capitalism in it is just not great. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, awesome. it's not great. I, I personally feel like we're actually coming to a momentous time where the cracks are showing very, very clearly. And, um, and it's a good time for us to maybe be able to see what exactly we do want. Right. Well, and you think about it too, low risk birthing people can have a birth center or a home birth, usually without any complications. And they're still running to their doctor at the, at the hospital. And, you know, then they have this experience where maybe it wasn't what they hoped for. And then, you know, if, if I was providing virtual support, I'm, I'm damage control after. So like how, what went wrong? I know I wasn't there. And so then it's just trying to like put pieces back together to help them feel like a, like a, they can be a great parent to this person that just birthed. Yeah. I was a doula for 20 years and I don't go into hospitals anymore. I, I, I think that's a pretty common way that doulas end up feeling because it's, they, you see so much obstetrical violence and you see people you work with coerced into decisions that they did not want. And you can't, it's, it's hard to sit there and watch happen. Like you, you can tell how it's going to play out once one thing is, you know, offered or an intervention is suggested. And then, you know, now you're in this spiral and there's no control anywhere. So it's really tough to watch. Although I have to say for, for everyone that's listening out there, I've also, and I'm sure you have as well, seen some wonderful triumphant magical birth experiences within a hospital setting it's not like oh absolutely yes it's it, it really depends too on the provider and the nurses on staff and you know just the, the general environment of what's going on but yeah definitely there are really great experiences but just the ones i've seen lately aren't excellent <laughs> it's a tough time for a lot of people definitely Talk to me a little bit more about how you understand the idea of narrative in the, in the body. What is the story of the womb? The womb. It's, you know, when your parent is pregnant with you and you have a womb, it's developing while you're still in the womb. So, you know, that, that whole narrative of like your grandmother carried you in her womb, like as an egg, you know, um, is really interesting and cool. And so, you know, there's, there's three lines of blood that are present when you're pregnant with somebody. Um, and I think that says so much too, because, you know, your grandparent or your grandmother, your mother, and then you have your own experience, um, your own experiences and like your own traumas and your own ex like really excellent, wonderful triumphs in life. And I, th I think, people carry that a lot in their womb space. Like the stomach in general, is just a very tender area. Um, and your, your uterus and your womb is located in your lower abdomen. And um, I, for like, when you, when you say that, I, ju I just think of trauma and like how that passes down through ancestral lines. Um, you know, whether it be birth, sexual trauma, um, any kind of, 
any experiences really, I think we hold in our womb space. So I was just thinking uh, when I was, when I was wondering what we were going to talk about, I was thinking about um, the whole question. And I think you touch on it a lot in the way, in the stories that you tell the public. So even in a very small way, we as birth workers go into the hospital and see really difficult things happening because all sorts of reasons have led to the the breakdown and the and the basically the the maternity care system is broken for all sorts of reasons that we don't have to go into right now and so then we can choose like i did to not go into the hospital anymore Meanwhile, tens of thousands, millions of women are still going into the hospital and giving birth as, you know, as, as alone as possible because it's now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Some of them are choosing to go and give birth at home with midwives if they can afford it. Some of them, and I know these ones that, because they're calling me, are choosing to give birth at home on their own completely where how do we think about these phenomena with with an idea in our head about about privilege so it's of course a huge luxury to decide not to go to the hospital oh i'll just hire a midwife and i know uh in some places they're ridiculously expensive mm -hmm. in some places they're not available so then you hire a traveling midwife who's going to come and live with you for i mean we're talking thousands of dollars at the very minimum so what happens to those people that cannot afford to do that and possibly do have underlying medical reasons why they can't do that and have to take the services that the broken medical machinery is going to provide them with? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm really glad that you brought that up. I think, too, um, it is an immense privilege to be able to birth at home. Um, whether, you, whether the midwife takes insurance or you can pay out of pocket for them, or even the birth center spaces too. I know sometimes folks have to pay out of pocket for that experience as well. And um, unfortunately, people who use state assistance or federal assistance um, for their healthcare, they, they need to go to the hospital because that's the only place that will accept that form of payment. And I've really dabbled and reflected on this as a white birth worker, like what I can do to make it known that that is a, like, it, it is a privilege that you feel safe going into a hospital to give birth if you're a white person. And we are forgetting about the black and brown folks who have no choice but to go to the hospital and they have to see their, their OB or their midwife who doesn't believe in their um, birth experience and, and how it should be really great. Um, so as a, as a birth worker myself, and as a human being, I've, I've just been telling people who are pregnant or people who aren't pregnant too, that it is, it is a privilege to feel safe going to a hospital that you can, you can get to easily. You can get in your car and drive there um, where there are, you know, in rural areas or even places that are, um, it's difficult to access a hospital through a bus or a train. It's, it's really difficult to get to that place. You know, you can't necessarily call an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi. Um, and I, everybody that I've worked with, or I work with and will work with, I will tell them if they are a white person that it is, it is a privilege to feel safe in a hospital. 
And yes, your, your worries and your fears are, are valid, but also there are people who this is their only option and put it into perspective for them that the odds are not as stacked against them as they are black and brown folks, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And I'm wondering where to go forward with that. I know that, uh, that here in Canada, of course, we have socialized medicine, so it's different. But for 13 years here, I ran a, a, a volunteer doula organization, and we provided uh, birth companions to um, families that, had, that didn't have the insurance because they were mostly here without status. First of all, people that I told about it were blown away, like, oh, oh no, there are people here that actually don't have medical insurance. And and then there are people here that don't even know that 911 calls an ambulance. Like if you ended up in Burkina Faso, would you know how to call the ambulance? Like, I don't know what number it is there. So why should they know what it is here? And And that people would actually not recognize that for someone who has lived through so many difficult stories to end up in a hospital where the, where the sheets are clean and they have someone giving them some pain meds is such a luxury. So I think one of our duties as privileged birth workers is really to, to open, the, open the stories up so that everyone can hear what's happening. And it's become really urgent now in oh, for sure. everywhere. How do you, on the other hand, take care of yourself? I am doing a very awful job at that right now. <laughs> um, I believe in body work a lot. So usually after birth, I will try to get a massage with Reiki um, just to kind of decompress everything that happened whether it be good or bad. Um, and then I usually, ch I check in with a, birth, a fellow birth worker friend to, to kind of process to like how everything went um, and just reflect on what I did and if I was, what I needed that family to be at the moment. Like if I was performing what they needed me to do. Um, and usually that's really helpful. I need a lot of sleep after I tend to birth. Um, and then, yeah, I just take each experience and put it in my back pocket and kind of move forward. And I'm, I'm kind of hitting a wall of burnout at this moment in my life, um, just because the amount of self-care I need after is not, is so, it's feeling so heavy and like I need a lot more of it than I usually did. Um, and maybe this is just the pandemic or who knows what's going on. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling very burnt out with birth. And I was warned about it in the trainings of the doula trainings to not burn yourself out. And I, I think I've done that. Um, but the body work with the Reiki is an absolute must after I attend a birth because I just, I can feel, I, I carry stress and trauma in my spine and I just need to let that out of my body. <laughs> So because you're doing birth work as a political person, though, I think that that sense of burnout um, is, is probably unavoidable. 
Probably, yeah. And part of the times that we're living in. Definitely. You're probably right. <laughs> so do you think finding fellow travelers is, is useful or just puts more onto your plate in terms of burnout? Finding fellow, fellow people in the same boat is helpful. I think I'm just really needing to separate myself from birth for it, a period of time. I'm not sure how long that would be, mm. but. So not attending births, but possibly just doing prenatal and postpartum work. Yeah, definitely. Or something like that. I'm actually pregnant myself right now. And so I'm just trying to focus on my own birth. Um, so I'm, I'm like needing some space for my family. I so think. important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, I, I did that when I was pregnant with my youngest, I, I took, um, I think I was about seven months when I stopped and then I took a whole year off. I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't one of these people that would go to a birth with a breastfeeding baby on my back or anything. <laughs> but those people are labeled. That's I'm so in awe of people who can do that because I don't think I can be one of them. <laughs> I've worked with people who are like that and I respect them, but I, I've, I've always been a very kind of, you know, mother cave kind of mother. So. Absolutely. <laughs> um, would it be okay for you to talk a little bit about rainbow babies? Yeah, definitely. Um, for folks who don't know a rainbow baby, um, it's a, a baby that's born after a loss. So when I learned about that, it was mostly like they, they mentioned it was um, a live birth after a miscarriage, a stillbirth, or an abortion. And anything I ever saw did not include folks who had an abortion um, celebrating a rainbow baby. And that just because abortion is such a polit like it's a politically charged term. Um, I think people maybe didn't feel like they could openly express joy with having a live birth after choosing to terminate a pregnancy. Um, but I'm here to change that because I think it's not everybody's favorite decision, or maybe it's a very easy decision for some, but for others, it's really a really tough call um, to make in your life. And I don't think it's on anybody's bucket list to have an abortion. Um, I don't think somebody wakes up when they're in their teen years, like, hey, I, I'm gonna have an abortion. Um, or somebody might, and that's fine too. But I think for most folks who do have an abortion, it's not ever on their agenda of things to have, but having the choice to choose to end a pregnancy um, is something that is so valuable in our society. And if it was taken away I don't think that's fair um, for somebody else to decide what's best for a person in terms of having children or not. Um, and yeah, I think folks who have an abortion should celebrate a rainbow baby. <laughs> what do you think is going to make the change? Uh, Maternity care right now is broken. We know that. Absolutely. We're seeing families that are, that are, that are having a tough time. And the, the care, is, the care is, is traumatic for a lot of people. 
What do you think is going to change that? It all burning to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, let's try and be creative and positive here. <laughs> I think it's going to take a lot of black and brown midwives and nurses and OBs who can kind of help. First, first and foremost, we need to help. We need to say out loud that the black and brown maternity rates of death are awful and we need to address that first before we can fix anything else I think um, because we can't move forward as white women without our black and brown neighbors um, and it's going to take medical schools like completely undoing how they view birth and you know I midwifery has its own Qualms, I think I've, I've heard people refer to midwives sometimes as medwives who are very in tune with the OB, what the OBGYN would like to happen. Um, and I, I think people's response right now is let's take birth and take it out of the hospital. Okay, like we're, we're in the process of doing that. I think home birth and birth center births are on the rise, but it's still not going to address the racism and the, the poor outcomes in the hospital that people experience when they're giving birth. So, I did not answer your question. <laughs> You're getting there. Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of unraveling. And I think the doctors and the midwives and the hospital administrators are going to have to really, I don't know if they need more training in how birth works. Um, well, they make a lot of money from birth. You know, if, if you have a C-section, it's what you, the hospital and the doctors get way more money than um, if it was an unmedicated vaginal delivery. So money is like the, the key aspect here. And, and I think people are greedy. Um, if we can somehow take money away from the, the health equation um, in birth, I think that would be helpful. Um, and we just need more warm people working in labor and delivery floors. Like if it's, you can't put birth on a, on a stopwatch and say, okay, you ha like, you should have this baby in four hours or we're, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean in four hours? What if it takes six or eight or what if it takes the whole day? I mean, or two days or a week. And are you going to give this person the time they need? Or are you going to make them feel like they're bothering you and they, like you want to go home? I don't, you know, like, we need more time, I think. And time is money, of course. Um, but we need to allow people to do their thing in birth, you know? I, money is obviously key, <laughs> and it needs to not be. And I think, yeah, I think people just need more time. Like, we need, there's, what is it? Like, you should be dilating one centimeter every hour per some male doctor's prescription of how birth should go, um, take that away because it's usually okay to dilate slower than that if, if a body needs to. Um, and if you do it faster, what is that, how is that impacting this person's body and their womb space? You know, is, is this gonna create some kind of trauma down the line? Is, is the baby okay? Is, do they just wanna dilate slower, you know? I think 
I think you're right, but I think I'm going to burst your bubble a teensy bit because <laughs> here in Canada, we have socialized medicine. I know how much my doctor friends make from a cesarean compared to a vaginal birth, and it's not a lot more. I don't think the money is the bottom line. I think it's something much deeper and much more difficult to unravel. I think also, you know, that you're saying this, I've been talking a lot about power and doctors feeling power over something and that they, like their final say goes for an outcome. Um, and they want to still be able to puff their chest up being like, I was right. I saved the day. I saved your baby. You're lucky to be alive because I was here to save the day. And I think that plays a lot into the maternity care too of doctors feeling like they need to step overstep a boundary to, to save a life, if that makes sense. Um, it does. It's another little part of the thing that we need to figure out. But there's so many little parts to it because they're not doing that with black and brown people in the US. They're kind of stepping aside and giving the fantasies about how they don't need pain medication and their right. cervixes work differently and all that kind of thing. There's something else that I'm 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 thinking about and that is just pure and simple the way that women need to be controlled in order for the patriarchal advanced capitalist uh, machine to continue and I think that's a big one that's where burning things down might I don't want to burn <laughs> anything though I'm a creator I don't want to destroy but yeah I think and I think that that another little patchwork in it is that that young birth workers like you can't afford to be burnt out for very long Right. So and I'm hoping I'm, that you have your baby and <laughs> get right back into it because we need, we need to heal. It, it needs to be healed. For sure. And I think going back to the, what you said about the female, the patriarchal system stepping in and kind of, it's just a way to push women and birthing people down. Um, like you had this birth and now you maybe have some um, health concerns after the baby's born that you're dealing with and it's making you feel inadequate or unhealthy or it's just something that you're struggling with and it doesn't feel good. Um, so then it gives you, it doesn't give you the option to kind of speak out about what happened to you um, or or call the, the healthcare provider out. They're like, this hurt me. This was not okay. I'm not okay with this. Um, and I think they're, they're just not taken seriously when they do have something to say about their experience birthing because some, for some reason, everybody thinks they have an idea about how birth should go. Um, and when it doesn't go that way, or when it goes the, when it doesn't go the birthing person's way, everybody's like, Oh, it's, you know, your life was saved or that's just how it goes. Or it's, and it's not, and I'm, I'm so tired of hearing that as, as a pregnant person myself, you know, some family and friends, they all have their idea of a birth and a home birth. And they're like, oh my God, you don't want the drugs? And I was like, no, I don't want the drugs. I, I want to experience it. I think birth is sexual. I, um, it's something that I want to experience fully in my body, in my home where I feel safe, which is a privilege because I can afford it. Um, 
but yeah, it's the, the medicalization of birth is just normalized. It's been normalized probably for the past couple, maybe the last few generations of just go to the hospital and have your baby and then come home and pretend like everything is perfectly well and don't say anything else besides that. You have a healthy baby, aren't they beautiful? You know? Well, that's, that's what it is now. I think it's changing. I really deeply feel that these, these cracks and these, these misfortunes and these, these numbers of, of people that are, that are dying and, and not only that, the movement that people are now recognizing that hospitals are places for sick people. Right. Well, in a pandemic too, you know, people are afraid to go to the hospital because that's where the sick people are. And it's like, well, this has been this yeah. way this whole time. <laughs> and I think people, like you said, people are not realizing it. So hopefully we're on the upswing of birth. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a struggle. But I think, uh, I think something has to give. It's, got, it's, got, it's going to have to change. And it's going to change for the better. Definitely. Yeah, I hope so, too. So all the best. Good luck with your birth experience. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me. Yes, of course. And um, yeah, keep us posted. Keep up the good work. Don't <laughs> stop talking about it. Just keep, keep on, keep on. You don't have to attend births in person. You don't have to go and <laughs> assist the families, but you do have to keep your voice going. Definitely. So I important. think once I'm finished with some of the clients that I have, I'm just going to start saying it how it actually is online. Um, just because I have some followers who might be like, oh, who did I hire? <laughs> and <laughs> I think I'd need to, you know, finish up what I have with them and then I will steamroll ahead yeah. in, in the absolute crap that is <laughs> maternity care. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you.